right now, all of our locations and campuses. Can we just get up for our worship team? Aren't they amazing? Every week at every location. Man, it is so good to see you. We are one church in three locations. We have a campus there in Ashland. We love you guys there. And in Grayson, thank you so much for worshiping with us today. If you know anybody in the region that's looking for a physical location to come and worship with us, we have three of those and love for you to join us uh, and be part of it. How many of you like trivia? Like you like trivia stuff. Man, I'm, I stink at trivia, Brandon. Man, I am no good at trivia stuff. Like my family wants to play like Jeopardy, like on Alexa and like that. I'm just like horrible at this thing. And so I wanna play a little trivia. I'm, I'm gonna throw up a statement from uh, certain companies that you may be aware of. These are actually called mission statements. In fact, most companies I would say that you like, that you go to or businesses probably has a mission statement. So let's see if you can pick this out right here, if you know what this is right here. To be the Earth's most customer-centric company where customers can find and discover anything they might want to buy online and endeavors to offer its customers the lowest possible prices. If you read that mission statement, what company do you think that is? Shout it out to me. Amazon, wow, I hope you got it at our other campuses because man, the, I tell you what, UPS and FedEx show up every day at my house because of Amazon. Like, it is way to go, way to go. All right, here's one. We save people money so they can live better. But anybody know what that is? Man, I'd say you guys are on it. I, I didn't know if you'd get it or not, so the end, uh, I, I have one just for you just to make sure everyone can get that one. Here's one, to bring the best user experience to its customers through its innovative hardware, software, and services. Ooh, 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 a little church debate going on right here. How many of you think Microsoft? How many of you think Apple? It's Apple, Apple's it, that's right. Good, man, that is awesome. All right, what about this one? Let's get this one. So everyone at all of our locations, come on, Ashley and Grayson, you gotta get this one. Everyone can get this one. If you don't know this one, we're gonna have an altar call at the end of the service at all campuses for every single person. All right, so here's it. To glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that is entrusted to us, to have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. Does anybody know who that might be? Come on. I mean, that was a given. Their name is actually in their mission statement. And you know this if you've been to Chick-fil-A. That is absolutely true. They want you to have the best experience when you come into their restaurant or outside of their restaurant when someone comes to your door. And I still don't understand how they magically know my vehicle. I don't understand that. I don't, I don't get it. But uh, they are unbelievable. In fact, they shut down their business on the second most most sought after day of the week, which is Sunday. Saturday's the first, Sunday's the second, and they still are, are, are just kicking tail. So they're, they're amazing. Every company that you go to, every company that you love should and probably has a mission statement. So here's your homework assignment. Go home into your favorite company that you love to shop, type in their mission statement, and see if they're actually doing what their mission is. Because a lot of times, people put a mission statement on the wall, but it doesn't actually get carried out down the hall. They have it sounding good for the customer, but they actually don't actually provide what it may be. Did you know that the church has a mission statement? And I'm gonna talk about like location, smaller church, when I say the small church, I'm talking about the big C church, that the church has a mission statement, and God gave us a mission statement. 
for every one of us who are followers of Jesus to do. So if you'll turn with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 28, I wanna share with you God's mission statement for us. Now today we end this series called Walk This Way. Now, if you've missed any part of this series, I wanna encourage you to go back and watch it. If you've just now for the very first time showed up, it's like, man, I'm catching the tail end of this series. I wanna encourage you to go back and watch. It was probably one of my favorite series we've ever done here at Bear Life Church. I believe it's also a timely series of what God wants to speak into our church body here in this region. And so we talked about what does it truly mean to follow Jesus? And that if we're gonna follow Jesus, we must count the cost. It's a cost to follow Jesus. Every decision you make in your life will cost you something. And so there's a cost when it comes to following after Jesus. He talks about that we're to love him supremely. That means that he should be the greatest person we love over anybody, even our family. He talks about that we're to die to ourselves because we're selfish. We want what we want when we want and we should die to ourselves every single day. He talks about complete surrender. We're to surrender it all, all to him. Everything we have belongs to the Lord. And then he talks about complete allegiance, that there should be no other God, no other focus, that we should be completely allegiant to the Lord. And so what we're learning about this and this process is that eternal life is a gift, but discipleship is a process. Salvation happens in an instant, but sanctification was a big theology where sanctification, which actually means becoming more like Jesus, is a process and will take you for the rest of your life. You never arrive until you die and then you go to heaven. You never arrive, you'll never be perfected. You will still struggle with the flesh. You'll still struggle with sin in your life. We're gonna talk about next year about how we have the spirit within us to overcome that. But discipleship takes time, it takes obedience, it takes discipline, it takes commitment. Peter writes this, that we're to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what discipleship is, to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. And so in Matthew 28, this is what's known as if you've been around any church in your entire life. I mean, if you, and I don't care if you've only been maybe one time to church in your life, you have heard of this statement. If not, you've heard people talk about it, and it's called the Great Commission. Now, a lot of times the Great Commission is used when people send out missionaries, or they talk about evangelism, that we're to go out into the world, but it's bigger than that. And so here is God's mission statement. I didn't write this, I didn't come up with this, God breathed this, the authors we see here, Matthew wrote down what the Holy Spirit told him to write. So this is God's mission statement for the church. Matthew 28, verse 18, I'm using the New Living Translation, it says this, Jesus came and told his disciples, and we learn what it means to be a disciple. He says, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. I have all the authority to make the rules and to change, to change anything I wanna change. I have all the authority to do what I'm about to do. Look what he says. Therefore, here it is, verse 19. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which we have a baptism today after the second, and during the second service here at the Moorhead campus. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Right here is the mission statement for the church. Every single church on the planet, in Asia, in Europe, in Canada, South America, North America, every church on the planet, this is their mission. And we don't get to change that. That's the mission God has given every single church. Now, churches may have different visions how they carry out the mission. And depending on the location where you're located, to contextualize yourself, what happens usually in the states, 
at churches is not going to work in other countries. And what's happening in other countries may not work here in the States. So you have to contextualize the mission to where God has placed you. But the mission's the same, and that is to go make disciples of all people groups, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you to the end of the age. So who is this for? Who is this mission for? Is this mission only for the pastors that God calls to shepherd a church? Is that the mission here? Is this just for missionaries when they come and they line up and we say, now go into all the world and share the good news and the gospel? Is it for missionaries? Is it for staff members who just like staff of churches? Like surely Jesus is not talking to me as a stay-at-home mom. Surely Jesus is not talking about me as a pipe fitter. Surely Jesus is not talking about me in construction work. Surely Jesus is not talking about me. I'm a doctor. Like, I mean, I don't have time like to go and make disciples. Surely he's not talking about me. I'm a school teacher. I mean, he, this is, that's not my profession. But that is not the context. He told his disciples, and we learned all about this series, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus and a disciple of Jesus? And if you are a disciple of Jesus, this is your mission. Every single day, this is your mission in life because God has given us the mission. And so every single one of us here who are followers of Jesus and all of our locations are to do this. How do you do that? How do you, how do you, how do you actually carry out the Great Commission? Like how do, we, how do we go and make disciples of all nations? We'll talk about that in a minute. That word nations means ethnic, it means people groups. Every people group on the planet were to go. Make disciples, baptize them. Now, you probably don't have a baptism tank at your cubicle at work, right? It's like, come here, Sarah, let's get back. Boom, boom, we're gonna baptize people. Like, that probably doesn't happen, right? I mean, that'd be a pretty good culture if your office had a baptism tank just ready to go, right? Like, how do I do that? Man, I'm just working in the office and selling insurance here. Like, how do I baptize people? And what does that even look like in my life? And then he goes, teach them to obey all my commands, which we can work on that one. And he says, don't worry, I will be with you to the end of the ages. John tells us that Jesus says to every one of us, as the Father has sent me, I am going to send you. And I'm gonna send you into the world, into your workplace, into your school, into your insurance company, into the hospital. I'm gonna send you into Walmart and, and Apple and everywhere you go. I'm gonna send you no matter what profession or whoever writes your paycheck, I'm gonna send you into those places to make disciples. Like how in the world do you do that? So let's take it a step further. So the big church has a mission statement and what we have done is we've taken the mission statement and contextualized for the vision of our church to put it in a, in a way that we could help you do and carry out the mission. So here is the mission of Better Life Church. Under the umbrella of go make disciples and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, here is the mission of Better Life Church. Here it is, watch this, to help people Follow Jesus so they can experience a better life. We put it in a one-sentence format of taken from the Great Commission to go and help people follow Jesus so they can experience a better life. So here's why. When you part of a better life church, when you say, hey, this is my home body, this is the church, we want you to know that we were here to help you follow Jesus so that you can experience a better life. Watch this. Because God has given us a commandment and a commission to help you learn about Jesus, follow Jesus, be baptized, and we're gonna talk about that, baptized, and watch this, and to teach people what I have taught you. That is the mission of our church, and ultimately the vision is so that you can experience a 
better life. Now, John 10.10 says this. This is the message paraphrase. A thief is only here to steal, kill, and destroy. Here's what I know about the devil. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your finances. He wants to destroy your parenting. He wants to destroy your purity. He wants to destroy your testimony. He absolutely 100% hates you. And he's gonna do everything he can to bring the vision in your family, the vision in your friends, the vision in the workplace, the vision in our country, the vision in the church. He's gonna do whatever he can to divide you because he hates you. He hates you. But Jesus says, I've come so that you can have a real life. Are you tired of a fake life? You try to be in a phony? He says, I can have, you can have a real life with me. I could give you eternal life. It lasts forever with me. I could give you more life than you've ever lived. And watch this, I could give you a better life than you've ever dreamed of. Now, this is the foundational verse where we named our church Better Life Church because we're here to help people experience a better life. Now, what is not a better life? Now, let's just walk this out. First of all, a better life is, is, is oh, we're gonna talk about better life just a moment. But we think that following Jesus is just a series of taking next steps, and we're here to help you take your next steps. So here's how this works. Very simple, very short this morning. Just wanna share, here's what this looks like. We want you to learn about Jesus, love like Jesus, and lead like Jesus. We want you to help others learn about Jesus, love like Jesus, and lead like Jesus. Let me, for the next few moments, just unpack that for you, what that looks like. Our mission is to help people follow Jesus. That word help is to go after people and help them, assist them, come along. We're here to help you with your family. We're here to help you in your walk with Jesus. We're here to help you to serve you in any way possibly we can. And by doing that, you are in turn to go help. Here's really the mission, like if you think about our staff and our team members as a church, we're here to help you help others follow Jesus. We're here to help you help others follow Jesus. The, the role of the pastor, if you look through the New Testament, the role of the pastor is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, to equip you, to help you help serve and help other people grow in their faith. That's the discipleship making, multiplying process. So how do you do that? How does that work? How do you personally, think about this, as, as a teacher, stay-at-home mom, whatever you are, how do you help people follow Jesus? How do you help them learn about Jesus? How do you go make disciples? Well, I don't have time to get into it. It could be a whole family series, but really, the, in, in the United States, I can only speak to the United States, 80% of people who come to faith in Christ come to faith in Christ before the age of 14. The greatest mission field on the planet is teenage and younger. It's the greatest mission field on the planet. Most people get saved before the age of 14 in the United States, which means this, the number one discipleship making place on the planet is in the home, and we're failing. Not outsourcing to the Christian school, not outsourcing to the student ministry, not outsourcing to the kids ministry, not outsourcing to the church. God clearly states, so we can read this, I was gonna jump on all this, but I don't have time because we only have 18 minutes left. But the Great Commission starts in the home and the greatest place to make disciples is you discipling your children to know about Jesus, love Jesus, lead like Jesus, even before the age of 14. And the problem is we've outsourced it, we think it's okay, we think they'll catch up, or hey, I just wanna be the friend and I don't wanna push my kids in the church or stuff like this, and what we've done as parents is that we didn't raise our kids up in church, we don't raise them up because we think other things are more important, so we don't bring them, we won't teach them, we don't have time to sit down and read our Bible with them or let them learn scripture and quote it. This is not a parenting message, but I just want you to know, if we really wanna be disciple-making and change the world, it starts in the home. And if it starts in a home, we can absolutely change the world. 
But how do I help them do that? How do I help people learn about Jesus? Here's the first thing you need to do, watch this. If you wanna help people learn about Jesus, you need to imitate Jesus. Do you act like Jesus at home? Right? Maybe the reason why we can't really parent or disciple our children because they don't see it in us. Maybe I can't be a disciple at work because they don't see it in me. Like, to be a disciple in the first century, when you followed a rabbi, and Jesus was a rabbi, is you're to mimic that rabbi. Whatever he says, you says. Whatever you do, he does. Wherever he goes, he goes. And that's why I personally believe. They, they were, a disciple, a Talmudin, was so committed to do exactly everything that the rabbi do. If the rabbi walked by in the marketplace and pick up a, a fruit and smell it, the discipleship would be right, the disciple would be right on the hills and pick up the same fruit and smell it. They would say that, that they would be so dusty, Talmudin's disciples, would be so dusty because they would walk behind so close to the rabbi that the dust of the road would blow up onto their clothes and they would be covered in dust just to follow after the rabbi. Whatever they did, they mimic. They wanted to be and do and become just like the rabbi, which I believe is the reason why Peter stepped out of the boat and walked on water is because if his rabbi did it, he can do it. That's why I believe he got the boat because he wanted to be like Jesus and be with Jesus. He didn't doubt Jesus when he walked on the water. He doubted himself to be like Jesus when he walked out there. That was a free sermon this morning, so I don't have time to get into that. But a disciple intentionally mimicked the rabbi. Listen to this. When we begin to imitate Jesus at work, at school, in a home, we change the world. But we're afraid because the world has said, you know, you can't share about Christ, you can't act like Jesus, you can't act, all this stuff, don't talk about it. And so we just kind of like just want to get along and it's like just, that's why I said earlier in the series, you can't tell the difference really between a Christian and a non-Christian anymore. Are we really going to imitate Jesus? Listen to what Paul said. This one, this one just, this one wrecks me. Paul says in 1 Corinthians this, he says, and you, he's speaking to everyone in the church, should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Now you imagine that. Imagine going to work and say, hey guys, you follow me as I follow Jesus, come on. Imagine looking at your children and says, listen, follow mom, follow dad as I follow Jesus. I'm gonna imitate Jesus. I'm gonna walk like Jesus, I'm gonna talk like Jesus, I'm doing, yeah, I mess up, and yeah, I make mistakes. I, I get that, I, I'm never re reached perfection, we know that. But the best of my power and building, I'm gonna imitate Jesus. Paul was so bold and it still saw Jesus as his master rabbi. He says, follow me as your teacher as I follow the one and imitate him. Could you say that? That wrecks me. Could you look at the people around you and just look at them and say, listen, I'm gonna follow Jesus, just mimic me, act like me, talk like me, walk like me, do what I do, say what I say. Imagine if we all did that. Who claimed to follow Jesus, imagine if we all did that. We imitated Jesus. We could absolutely change the world. That's why I believe discipleship is an intentional relationship. This is how to define it. An intentional relationship that helps someone, that helps other people follow after and be close to Jesus. So you can actually make disciples by imitating Jesus. We'll get into a process later on. Baptize them. Now we know that to be baptized, First, you put your faith and trust in Jesus. We have tons of people being baptized today. And if you wanna be baptized, you need to be. It's a command in the scripture. If you've given your life to Jesus, the first commandment is to be baptized. Not being baptized as a follower of Jesus is, a dis is disobeying. And so he tells us in his, his commission, in his great commission, to baptize them. 
to baptize them, first I must reach them and evangelize and go after them. And they, they become put their faith and trust in Jesus. Then I baptize them and say they're dying to their old self. Now they're gonna raise to walk in a new life. It's a picture of baptism. I'm dying to the old Daniel, now I'm a new person. I raised, Jesus was raised from the dead, he raises me as a water baptism. It's shown a picture of being died to yourself, raised back to life as Christ was. And so if, you've ever, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, how do you do that? You bring them to the family. You get them to a place where they could be baptized, put their jersey on to show the world that they're part of the family of God. And we've got tons of people doing it today. And so if that's you, we love, we're ready for you. Come on back. The next service, we're gonna have an awesome bachelor. And then it says, teach them to obey my commands. This is what's so fascinating. Teach them to obey my commands. So obedient is how you learn. See, we've got it backwards in our country. We think knowledge is just enough to be a disciple. And you know what the amazing thing is? Most people have so much information, they just never apply it. You already know. Like, you already know. Yeah, there's some Hebrew and Greek, and there's something in the Bible I don't even know. I don't even understand it. Like, I don't know how God even did it. Like, I don't even know. And I ain't gonna know on this side of heaven. But most things, you already know. Forgive those who hurt you. Anybody have a problem understanding that? then why don't you apply it? Wait till you have sex when you get married. Anybody understand that? Marriage is between one man and one woman for all eternity. Anybody understand that? Don't have understand that? Pray for those who hurt you and persecute you. See, we know, we just don't do. We see it, but we never apply it. And we wonder why we have no transformation. We wonder why the church is never being transformed. We wonder why our lives are never being transformed. And we have all the Bible studies, we have all the stuff, we have all the knowledge, we build ourselves up, but we're like Pharisees, we're dead washed tombs walking around stones. On the outside look like we have it all, but on the inside we're dead. Because we don't apply the truth of God's word to our life. So is it information that you need? Watch this, it's obedience that you need. Teach them to obey, and if you obey. Listen, the fastest way to learn about Jesus is to obey him. The fastest way to build your faith is to obey him. If you will obey him, you will learn about him, your faith will grow in him, because now the reality, you will experience him. You can have all the knowledge about Jesus, but do you obey him? And that's why I think the American church is done. We tell all these people about this knowledge, but nobody's listening, nobody's obeying. And so we wanna help people learn about Jesus. How can you do that? One, you can host a group. Two, you can actually join one, invite one. I love my discipleship group. The group I'm leading right now, these guys are world changers, man. It's just unbelievable to see how they're growing. And I have to wear that weight to look at them and say, follow me as I follow Jesus. Man, that's a big task. That's what discipleship is. I'm gonna imitate, best I can imitate Jesus, you imitate me. That's a, that's a big ask. Bring people to church. Maybe invite someone on, your, on, on lunch break or go to the coffee shop and say, hey, we're gonna sit down and build a relationship and we're gonna talk intentionally about Jesus and how is he working in your life and how you can help other people do the same thing. That's discipleship. It's a, it's, a, it's a multiplying effect if we would just follow it. So imitate Jesus. So watch this. I'm gonna love Jesus supremely. You love Jesus supremely. I'm gonna surrender everything in my life. Watch this. Mimic me. You surrender everything in your life. I'm gonna be completely allegiant to Jesus. You be allegiant to Jesus, watch me as I follow him. Could you imagine? We could absolutely change the world. And then he says, don't worry, I love this part, at the end of his commission, I will be with you to the end of the age. I will be with you. That's what our next series is gonna be focusing on. I can't wait to jump into that. How is he with us and how does he, how does Jesus help me 
be a disciple that makes disciples, that makes disciples, that makes disciples. How does he do that? I'm gonna share with that in the next series. Then love. We want you to learn about Jesus, right? But we want you to love Jesus. We want you to fall in love with Jesus, but help other people fall in love with Jesus. The greatest commandment, Matthew 22. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and this is the greatest and most important command. And the second one, by the way, even though you didn't ask for it, I'm just gonna throw it out there because I didn't ask for the second one, is to love your neighbor as yourself. To love people is to bless them, to show compassion, to serve them, to encourage them, but also to coach them and correct them. Can you build a relationship with people that you have the authority in their life or the moral integrity in their life to coach and help correct them? Well, you do if you decide, hey, guess what? I'm gonna be a discipleship at this time and I'm gonna lead you and help you. Follow me as I follow Jesus. So you've given me permission to help coach you or correct you when there's things in your life that's not following Jesus. Do I have that permission in your life? Most people won't do that because most people don't want accountability and, no, and most people can't stand authority. Could you imagine being able to do that and, come, and coming up to you and say, hey man, listen, you know, I, I know every time that um, we get together, you're always making these joking jabs at your wife and I know everybody laughs about it in the room, but if you look at your wife, she's not laughing about it. So why don't you learn how to control your temper and your tongue in public in front of people because you're destroying your wife over here by making jokes and jabs at her. Don't you talk about my wife like that? Like, like, like who, 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 who's gonna welcome that and say, would you please speak into my life when anything outside of my life is not mimicking or looking like Jesus? Do you even have those relationships that you could go up to someone and say, call me out if there's anything in my life that doesn't look like Jesus? See, we don't want that accountability. We, we don't wanna be that scrutinized. We don't wanna be on the microscope. Because at the end of the day, we really don't wanna be like Jesus. But if you can get to this point in your life, he says, you know what, I gotta trust the people that love Jesus, love the church, they love me. And here's what I want you to, if there's anything inside of my life that you look like that doesn't mimic and look like Jesus, I give you permission because I know you love me to help me be more like Jesus. We could change an entire region if a handful of people would get that honest with themselves and take discipleship seriously says, you have that permission in my life. And you don't get mad when they call you out about your language, about what you're watching, about what you're doing, about what you're drinking, how you're acting, the jokes you're making, the dirty stuff you laugh at. You cannot get mad about that because you gave them permission to call you out. We could change the world. Jesus coached, he corrected. They messed up, he showed grace, he showed love, he helped them. He wasn't being mean to them, he's helping them become like him. And we could do the same. Listen to what John 13 says. So now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other just as I've loved you. You should love each other because your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. We're to love each other. But love also speaks truth and grace and a coaching way to help you become more like Jesus, not to destroy you and turn you and push you down. Do you welcome that? We want people to learn about Jesus. We want you to love like Jesus, help other people's love like Jesus, but then we want you to lead, to lead like Jesus. Paul writes in Ephesians 4.1, therefore I, as a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you, look what he says, to lead a life. You have the control to lead your life. 
You don't have to find yourself. You can create yourself, who Jesus wants you to be. You have the authority of your life to lead your life. Lead a life worthy, watch this, of your calling. Worthy of your calling, for you have been kaleo, called by God. Now watch this, that word call, people get this mixed up all the time. Well, I didn't have a call, I'm called to ministry, and I've said it all the time, I've been called to ministry. Let me, your calling is to follow Jesus. People and places may change, titles may change, your calling will never change, it's to follow Jesus. That's your calling in life. And if that calling has a title of a nurse, if that calling has a title as a teacher, if that calling has a title of a stay-at-home mom, if that calling has a title as a pastor, if that calling has a title as a worship leader, a youth pastor, electrician, a pilot, it doesn't matter. The calling is to follow Jesus no matter what the title is that you have. But I love that word call because it's a personal, by name, invitation to you. That means Jesus has walked by and he says, Daniel, follow me. I called you by name, a personal invitation. Follow me. And if you choose to follow me, then I beg you, go lead a life that's worthy of the calling to come after me. You remember the very first message we talked about when Jesus turned and said, if you wanna come after me, then you better lead a life worthy of that calling. And what does that look like? Imitate me. Love like me. Learn like me. Forgive like me. Father, forgive them for they do not even know what they do. Be patient like me. Be meek like me. Show compassion like me. He has compassion and he heals. Be like me. That's a life worthy. I know the world says, no, this is how you get to the top. I say, if you wanna be like me and you wanna be the greatest, you're the last. So I'm gonna serve you and I'm gonna wash your feet. Be like me. Be like me. Humble yourself even to the point of death where I died on a cross. I could open up my mouth and call down thousands upon thousands of angels and legions and wipe everyone off the face of the earth, but I chose not to retaliate. Be like me. Peter, do you love me more than these? He went saying, Peter, do you love me more than the other disciples? You can't compare that. Do you love me more than these nets? Because when Peter blew it, he went back to fishing. He said, Peter, do you love me more than this profession that you're in? Follow me. Do you love me? Then feed my lamb. Do you love me? And then Peter goes, well, what about him? What about the apostle John? What are you gonna do in his life? Don't worry about him, he says. Watch it. You follow me. You imitate me. And Peter did. Peter, was, history tells us, was crucified upside down. He says, I'm not even worthy to be crucified in the manner that my Savior was crucified. Would you please turn the cross upside down? I wanna be crucified upside down. And history tells us Peter was crucified upside down. And not only him, his wife was crucified. And the history tells us as his wife was walking by him to be crucified, as he looked at his wife to be crucified, you know what he said to his wife? Remember the Lord. And his wife was crucified. For a lie? You think God took 11 people to trick the world just to be a better place? Wouldn't even stand up to a slave girl in the marketplace before the crucifixion, but would stand up and preach and 3,000 people saved and baptized and then crucified upside down. What changed? What changed? He saw the risen Jesus. 
And I don't know about you, but if I watch someone die and I watch them get buried and three days later up, they're up and walking, I'm on that guy's team no matter what. I'm going with him. So Peter imitated Jesus. This is the key. If we can imitate Jesus, we can make disciples, we can change the world. And guess where it starts? With you. In your home. In your workplace. The church, this is just a pit stop. Discipleship is made out there. Disciples are made out there. This is just a pit stop for the middle of the week to say, come on, man, let's have fun. Let's get together. Let's worship Jesus and get charged and, and worship as a family. This is just a pit stop. If you're just waiting to come here once a week thinking, you know, I'm just gonna be a disciple once a week, man, listen, you're gonna be a lousy disciple. So go, make disciples. So what we believe is a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will build a great church that will change the world. And that's what we invite you to be part of because our mission is to help you follow Jesus so you can experience a better life. I'm gonna close with this. What's a better life? Better life doesn't mean you're gonna get everything you want, have everything you want, life's gonna be good. In fact, better life doesn't mean that it's gonna be easy. Doesn't mean life's not gonna be tough. That's what it means whatsoever. The better life, the best way for me to explain this to you is past, present, and future. Past, my sins are forgiven. I don't know about you, if all that Jesus does for me is forgive me of all my sins, cancel out hell, and guarantee me heaven, no matter what happens in 60, 70, 80 years on earth, that makes my life better. That alone. Sins forgiven, past, present, a purpose for living. You have a purpose. That's why you have breath this morning. Most people go to their grave having no idea why God put them here. You have a purpose for living. Guess what your purpose is? To make disciples. You could do that though, no matter what your profession is. But your purpose is to carry out the Great Commission. You have a purpose for living. And in future, you have a home in heaven. Sins forgiven, purpose for living, home in heaven. No matter what happens or tragedy happens in life, that makes my life better. Knowing that Jesus is with me all the way to the end. Last verse, 2 Corinthians 5. Either way, Christ's love controls us. See, what controls you? If you love him, it'll control you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Since we believe that Christ died for all, he was also, we also believe that we all have died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. That's why we die to ourselves daily. I no longer live for me, I live for Christ. Instead, we will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So my goal in life is to live for him and to mimic him. How do you get this better life? Well, it's the resurrection. Without the resurrection, there's no eternal life. There's no better life. We believe that Jesus got right. There's no one who will deny that Jesus walked the face of the earth. No one even deny that he died by crucifixion. History, history, biblical text, outside historians, all world religions, everyone will tell you, Jesus was a man, he walked and he died. The difference, we believe he got up out of the grave. If he didn't get out of the grave, Paul says, we're still in our sins, we're all hell bound, we're wasting our time, we might as well go home, eat, drink, and be merry. We don't believe that. We believe he got up out of the grave. And it's because of the resurrection we can have an abundant life, a full life, a better life than we've ever dreamed of. And if we've experienced this, then we could begin 
or we could see that we have been given a mission to bring hope to a hopeless world. So go, imitate Jesus, and make disciple, no matter what your title is. And we're gonna help you, we're here to help you help others do that. I'm gonna ask you to just to bow your head. As we end this series, I just want you to just reflect and see what the Lord's telling you, what he's speaking to your life. Maybe here you need to realize I need to start imitating Jesus. First place is at home to my kids with my tone, with my body language, how I treat my spouse, how what I watch, what they hear me talk about, my language, how I act. If they become to know Christ by the age of 14, 80% of them, that means it's gonna happen in the home. How do I imitate Jesus at home? Man. Some of us need to go home and tell our kids we're sorry for how we acted. I'm quick to apologize when I blow up to my kids. Dad shouldn't act like that. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have been like that. I shouldn't have said that. So I want to model asking for forgiveness to them as well. Maybe you need to go home and say, I'm sorry, I've not really been the best Jesus. I'm not Jesus, I'm not perfect, but I'm doing everything I can to imitate him. Maybe it's for you in the workplace, maybe it's you at school, I don't know. But it doesn't matter who you are, you are called to make disciples. That's the imperative, is to make disciples. We can do this. How? I'm gonna talk about this in the next series, how we do this. Like, how do we, how do we, what's in us to even help us do that? Because, man, we're, we're, we blow it. And maybe you're here and you realize that you need to put your faith and trust in this Jesus at any of our campuses. You could do that today right where you sit. You could cry out to him. Last week we had 39 people give their life to Jesus. You could do that today. You could cry out to him right now. I said, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And today I repent of my sins and I put all my faith and trust in you. Now help me follow you. Be your disciple. Imitate you for the rest of my life. If that's you and you prayed that and you cried out to the Lord, we believe the scripture says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And your next step according to his mission statement is to be baptized. We're doing that today. So come on, it'd be an awesome day. What a great day to do it. Father, thank you so much for this series. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the challenges. As the old preacher said, easy to preach, but hard to live. I pray that you will help us carry out your mission in all areas of our life. that we will make disciples in the home, in the workplace. And we will see an entire region transformed generation by generation because people got serious about your mission statement, about imitating you and making disciples. I cannot wait to see what you're gonna do. In fact, we thank you in advance for what's to come. It's in your name we ask and we pray. Amen.